Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Alex Robinson, the online editor of Field & Stream, and this is the Field & Stream Adventures podcast. This is Field & Stream's first crack at a podcast, and the whole idea here is to take you along on a backcountry adventure and capture the sounds and story behind wilderness travel. Super remote. I'm freaked out about that. Just like if something happens to one of us, what exactly can we do? So that's our podcast editor and producer, Maddie Mahan, right before our float plane is about to take off. Now, we'll get back to this more in a minute, but here's exactly why she's freaking out. Over the next seven weeks, we'll be following a trip through Quetico Provincial Park, a huge wilderness area along the Minnesota-Ontario border, spanning more than one million acres. Now, you may have heard of the Boundary Waters Canoe Area, which shares a border with Quetico. Both spaces are world-renowned for their pristine forests and waters. They have incredible canoeing, fishing, and camping, but Quetico takes his wilderness title even more seriously. The park is completely unmarked, with only improvised campsites and no motorized vehicles allowed anywhere inside its border. So when you go up to Quetico, you're going to find some solitude. And that's exactly what we wanted on this trip. We wanted to go in as deep as we could, see as few people as possible, and get totally off the grid. And since you can't fly into anywhere in the park, we decided to take a float plane to Clay Lake, a lake located right outside of Quetico's northeast boundary, and then spend the next seven days portaging and paddling 57 miles back home to America. Now, this was, was not an easy trip, and some of the people coming along were not very experienced in the outdoors, so that made things even more challenging. I'm Steph Shelton, and I am out here on my first outdoor adventure. I've been dating Alex for many years, who is always going on trips, and they seem wild and crazy to me, and I'm excited to kind of get out there and try it for myself. I really don't have a ton of experience with, with this type of level of trip, um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best and, and try to survive. My name's Ben Romans. I'm from Boise, Idaho. I am a uh, lifelong diehard fly fisherman, hunter, outdoor enthusiast. I love camping. I love hunting. I love pretty much every aspect of the outdoors. I'm here on this trip because uh, I've heard tales of uh, big fish in secret places and I want to explore. I love seeing things that a lot of other people haven't seen before. Um, and hopefully uh, we can turn this into a good story when we're all finished. My name is Maddie Mahan. I'm a radio producer and podcast maker, in the words of Steph. <laughs> I'm here on this trip because Alex invited me to come along and record and see if we could make it out alive. <laughs> Steph and I, of course, know each other, but the rest of the group had never met, adding only one more layer of unknown into our travel plans. So the theme for this very first episode is preparation. While Ben and I had done extensive backcountry travel, none of us had ever taken a canoe and portage trip like this before. So honestly, we didn't know exactly what to expect. Of course, you want to be as prepared as possible. So that meant loading up on bug spray, camping gear, doing some research, and also packing lots of freeze-dried meals. Luckily, we weren't totally alone in this undertaking. We needed some smart local guidance on what to bring and where to go and are Jim and Joan. My name is Jim Block and I am the owner of Moose Track Adventures. My name is Joan Howard and I work at Moose Track Adventures. Jim and Joan of Moose Tracks Adventures are outfitting us on this trip. They hooked us up with the necessary gear and the best routes through the area. 
They live with their two kids on a lake just outside of Ely, Minnesota, helping folks get deep into the Minnesotan and Canadian wilderness. Jim has been guiding and outfitting in the area for decades, and for many people, this was once a thriving career in Ely, but the business has struggled through the recession and the following years. Moose Tracks has survived in part because of the loyal returned customers that Jim has. People keep coming back for the solitude the area offers and for Jim's deep knowledge of the BWCA and Quetico. The man can tell you exactly where a log jam was on a tiny remote creek in 2006. Or, more importantly, he can tell you the best cove for targeting smallies on any given lake in Quetico. On our first night at Moose Tracks, Jim immediately pulled out five huge maps, essentially our guiding lifeline for the next week, and started showing me potential routes. The thing about Quetico is there are so many lakes, rivers, and creeks that you could travel the area every summer for the rest of your life and never follow the same route. It's a true sort of choose-your-own-adventure setup, and Jim had some great tips for us. You're going to be flying into Clay Lake, which is uh, the far northeast corner of the Quetico Park, just outside of it, and you're going to be paddling down the the uh, very narrow and uh, wiggly back-and-forth Greenwood River, and which dumps into the uh, Walweag. Now, considering you're going to be getting a late start, um, ideally you want to get from here to here in one day, but that's at the 8 o'clock flight. If you can get it, unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't get that today. So what I would recommend doing, I was talking to Alex yesterday, is to get down the Walweag and actually get into Mac Lake. And if you don't want to stay on Mac, you're going to have to stay at this campsite right here. It is the only feasible place to camp along the entire Walweag. It's a, it's a pretty spot, but be prepared to be uh, do battle with bugs because it's on a river. It's got a beautiful water, beautiful rapids that are right beside it. Now, I was uh, saying yesterday, since you're going to have pretty high water, Make sure that you are aware that the rapids start right at the, the, the portage. So be careful, hang, uh, hug that left shoreline, and just make sure that you work your way and get into that, that spot. Do one at a time. One canoe sit back, let one person get, you know, one canoe get in, and then the other one can follow. It can be dangerous. Just make sure that your, your situational awareness is at the high. Um, so you're, you're not going to be able to get down to here in one day. It's, it's you know, not considering the start that you're getting. So you're going to make, make a decision um, whether you go to Mac or whether you stay here. Listen to your radio and make sure you paddle when it's nice. Jim and Joan had the whole outfitting package ready. They gave us everything we'd need, tents, cooking gear, and the giant portage packs we'd need to carry it all for miles and miles. And then there's the food. When you head into Quetico, you expect to catch and eat a lot of fish. So while we hoped to hammer trout and walleyes, we had to prepare for the off chance of not catching our dinner. Because seven days, honestly, is a long time to go hungry. So Joan got serious with freeze-dried hash browns and trail mix. Okay, so you're going to boil water. You're going to have the hash browns in a different pot. After the water's boiled, you, you pour enough to cover the hash browns. And then you're going to let it sit 20 minutes to rehydrate. After it's rehydrated, you take your butter, you put it on your, your fry pan. And then you're going to put the rehydrated hash browns back on the, the griddle, and you're going to get them golden brown. And since you chose that for every single day by the end of your trip, I'm sure you guys are going to be awesome. And Jim had a good list of suggestions for what people should be sure to have for this kind of trip. You know, just make sure you have good quality gear. That's, that's the key. There's the, 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 the gear they have out nowadays is very good, and I know sometimes it's, it's uh, difficult to spend three, 400 bucks on a tent, but... You know, that's going to be your, your home for the amount of time that you're in the woods. In regards to clothing, you know, I, I, I like to bring in uh, two, 
two quick dry uh, sets of pants that have zip off legs. Uh, make sure you have a good hat and a good pair of polarized sunglasses. That's another very important item. Uh, in regards to footwear, that's always the big question. What's the best footwear? Uh, for me, it is a, uh, it's, it's a pair of uh, uh, Wetland model muck boots, which I've used for many, many years, ever since they were on the market. And it, just in my opinion, that's the, that's the way to go. Uh, they're, they keep your feet dry because when you're using Kevlar, you have to uh, wet, it's called wet enter and wet exit your canoe. You don't want to be dragging them across the rocks. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple, I, I like to bring three or four pairs of socks just to keep rotating them out, you know, depending on the length of the trip. So that's it. Easy. We had maps, we had tarps, we had two ultralight Kevlar canoes. And as we sat waiting for our ride into Quetico, the trip really started to hit home. Maddie broke out the audio equipment as the nerves started to set in a little bit. All our stuff is packed. We're just waiting to get the call from the float plane for us to go into Quetico. So everybody's maybe a little bit nervous right now. Uh, ben forgot to bring his passport, and we're just hoping that we get a really good uh, border patrol agent who is friendly and, and uh, takes pity on us and lets us through. Yeah, you heard that right. Ben didn't bring his passport. He had enough fishing equipment and clothing to last a whole summer in the wilderness, but not the one thing we'd need to get in and out of Canada. Our best chance was to get his wife to scan a copy of the passport, print it, and hope for a friendly border officer. Steph, what are you the most nervous about? What are you looking forward to? I'm really nervous we're going to flip over and go down a rapid. I'm really scared. <laughs> I'm really scared, Maddie. All right, Ben. I think I know what you're nervous about. I am nervous, but actually, if I make it through after that, the second thing I'm nervous about, there's a lot of hash browns and tomato ketchup in that food bin, and I just can't imagine what that's going to do to my system. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maddie, what are you most nervous about on this trip? Uh, everything. Super remote. I'm freaked out about that. Um just like if something happens to one of us, what exactly can we do? I'm worried about staying like on course and like making the amount of distance we need to make every day. You know, like if we get a bad couple of days and we're stuck somewhere, it means trying to make up like 14 hours of paddling. And you're, you're not a huge, you don't like flying. I don't like flying. This is true. Yeah, I've gotten like better in the last year, but I used to have like really, I have medication for flying. So we'll see. I think the other part of it too is we've had so much time to sit and think about this as we're waiting for the plane. We've unpacked, repacked, packed a different way, let Jim repack for us. And you kind of start really digesting everything that's going into this, all the things that could go wrong from Jim's stories. So yeah, it builds attention. It definitely can create more anxiety, just kind of, you know, thinking about the trip as a whole, but once you get there, then it really becomes a minute by minute to hour by hour uh, process. You know, like the first thing we have to do is put the canoe together. So you only think about putting the canoe together. Then you think about packing the canoe and then you think about paddling. Like if you just break it up, then it's way more manageable than thinking about, wow, we have to do all this stuff and remember all this gear and do this and this and this. Um, and once you get into that mindset, I feel like then you're just like, you're good. You know, you forget everything else and you just do it. Jim didn't really seem to think the passport would be an issue. 
However, there were tons of things he thought definitely would get us into trouble quickly. You know, we got a lot of people that are that are really inexperienced, and those are the ones that you have to be uh, more concerned about. So I get a little nervous when I see somebody that, you know, they show up in their, their high heels and, you know, they're, they're thinking that they're going to go on a, a canoe trip, but they're not aware that, you know, this is a lot of work. And whether you're on the Canadian side or the U.S. side, it does require work. One of the sayings that we say, it's the best vacation and the hardest one you will ever be on. So it does require physical activity, but you're, re you're rewarded with some beautiful area. So in regards to good and bad trips, they're all good as long as you get back. But at the end of the day, Jim said it wasn't the big disasters that were likely to happen. It's all those little things that can suddenly become a huge threat. It, yeah, it's going to be a fish hook in the, the, the arm or... Uh, you know, accidentally cutting yourself with you know, your finger or, or flaying a fish and nicking your finger, trying to chop wood in half with a hatchet and you miss and you hit your shin or you hit your finger, well then that's a good way to ruin your trip and also not easy to get out of there, put it that way. Now, of course, we don't expect any of that stuff to happen, but the truth is you just never know. Wilderness travel is all about getting back to nature, and it's a fool who forgets that Mother Nature is boss. But at this point, all we can do is hop in the plane and hope for the best. So tune in next week to see if we can actually get Ben across the border. And for a bush plane ride through a raging storm. This podcast is brought to you by Thermocell. Thermocell camp lanterns provide 300 lumens of light and keep mosquitoes, black flies, and no seams at bay. Check them out at thermocell.com slash mosquito dash repellent. And also Moose Track Adventures, providing guide services and outfitting to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area and Quetico Provincial Park. Find them at moosetrackadventures.com. This Field and Stream podcast was produced by myself and Maddie Mahon. And now, for your Ben Romans moment of the week. We're going to kick it old school. Wiki, 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 wah! It's, I sound so cool in this They're thing.